WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Five o'clock. Good morning. It is Friday, June 2nd. Thank God it's Friday. Even a short week, it felt kind of long. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today. Afternoon clouds, high 85. Tonight overnight, few showers, low 61. And then Saturday, sun and clouds. The high is only going to be 69. And then Sunday, just beautiful. Sunshine, high 74. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 60 and clear in Pearl River up in Rockland County. 54 and clear down in Old Bridge in New Jersey. And it is 63 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to. Working our way up. 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning. I went to the my health club yesterday, and I've noticed this. This is a, a couple of the big chains, and I belong to one of the big chain health clubs. They do this thing now where in the summer, from Memorial Day until Labor Day, high school kids can work out for free. So uh, that's great for the high school kids. But what I've noticed is, like, during the pandemic, anytime I went to the health club, to the gym, uh, it would be crowded because people were working from home. And I wasn't used to that because because of my hours, the one good thing is if I go at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I got the whole place to myself. But during the end of the pandemic, the last year, it was always crowded. But then it stopped because people went back to work. But now they do. This is the second summer they've done this. From Memorial Day until Labor Day, high school kids are allowed in for free. And they pack the place, at least at mine. Pack it. And... um and I don't want to be that guy who goes to the front desk and says, come on, man, I'm paying to work out here. And you're giving these guys for free and I got to wait for them. And they, they're like laughing and they're, and they're my kids age. So you think I wouldn't be bothered by them. But part of the reason I go to the gym is to get away from kids who are like my kids who are back home. But now they're at my gym. So I don't know. I might have to be that guy that goes in and complains. But it's a national thing. They do it at, uh, I, I, someone else was telling me they do it at theirs as well. So a couple of the chains, I guess, have decided, you know, brand loyalty starts young. So if you can get them in for free in the summer, they might be lifetime members, which I think makes a, a whole lot of sense. But the problem is, is you get people like me who are old and just want to get in and out really upset. So now I'm thinking I might join another one, but I would like, should I warn them of that? Should I go in? But then I ruin it for all the high school kids. So I don't know. Again, they're kids my age. <laughs> Or my kids' age, anyway. All right. I know. First world problems. Let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. The Senate gets a debt deal done. It's all about Iowa for Republicans in the race for White House. Forget the sharks. There's some ocean algae that could kill you. High school students are laughing at those book bans. A woman who had her wig ripped off in Times Square is speaking out. All right, let's get into it. 503, the Senate has passed a bill that would suspend the nation's debt ceiling for two years. You know, the House did it yesterday. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer applauding this vote took place yesterday. Of course, nobody got everything they wanted. There was give on both sides. But this agreement was a very good outcome 
Lawmakers taking this vote as the deadline to avoid a potential default just stays away. The vote, 63 to 36, with the bill now heading to President Biden's desk. Biden said he would sign the bill into law as soon as possible, addressing the American people, he said, directly today. Let me say it again. Tonight's vote is a good outcome because Democrats did a very good job taking the worst parts of the Republican plan off the table. And that's why Dems voted overwhelmingly for this bill, while Republicans certainly in the Senate did not. My guess is Republicans would look at this a different way. The Fiscal Responsibility Act will raise the debt limit through January 1st of 2025 and implement caps on government spending and policy changes. Staten Island Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis, she voted in favor of this when it was going through the House yesterday, and she says this bill is pretty solid. Uh, This is the first time where we're seeing actual deficit reduction. We're seeing a actual spending cut. We're going to spend less money next year than we did last year, and we're putting a 1% cap. The Fiscal Responsibility Act, uh, again, would uh, uh, cut federal spending. Uh, Well, here, I'll let her explain. We got change the fiscal trajectory of our nation, which was critical. No more massive omnibus inflationary spending bills. You know, these guys spent $10 trillion when they had complete control over the last two years. That's not going to happen anymore. It sounds like both Republicans and Democrats have something they can complain about and something they can point to as a success. So in that way, I guess it is a successful bill. The president cannot hire more IRS agents to go after middle class families and small businesses. Um, We are also ensuring that there are uh, additional work requirements in place. All right. Five oh five. Race for the White House, uh, of course, heating up each day. Iowa, everybody's focused on that. The president, uh, former President Donald Trump, was there yesterday. They held a town hall with Sean Hannity. Uh, he talked about a whole bunch of different things. Let's see. We'll start with him talking about gender identity and the number of people getting sex changes in the U.S. I'm not a fan of LeBron James, but I said, you know, if I were the coach of a woman's basketball team, I would have the greatest team. I'd say, uh, LeBron, would you like to become a woman? <laughs> and, and I'd go to another four or five big guys, and I'd say, how about we will be undefeated for many, many years. There will never be anything like it. I'll, have the great, I'll, be, I'll go down as the greatest coach in history. They'll say I was the greatest ever. And here's the former president on DeSantis and the U.S.-Mexico border. Who can believe in an open border? But when I heard uh, DeSantis go out and say... Uh, and, and talk about eight years. We need eight years. You don't need eight years. You need six months. We can turn this thing around so quickly. And then on uh, Biden uh, being all there, uh, former President Trump thinks, well, that President Biden is not as bad off as some other people do, like Sean Hannity. I've asked you about, is he up to the job physically, mentally? You have been very reluctant to go there. Um, I'm not reluctant. To me, I've, does I've everyone agree that. with me that this guy's cognitively not there? I doubt he knows what day of the week it is today. That's how that's how bad I think it's gotten for him. Why are you reluctant to call that out? Well, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this. I actually called Sean and I, I asked Sean not to joke about it. I was joking. Because he used it. to joke about it. And I said, honestly, I don't think it looks good for you or for anybody for you to joke about it. Because- All right, much more to get to uh, Governor Christie jumping into the race. Some polls that show that might not be a good idea. We'll get into that. WABC News Time 509. Let's stay on the campaign trail. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. 
he might want to look at some new poll numbers as he gets ready to jump into the race for the White House next week. It's expected to be then. That'll jump in. A new Monmouth University poll finds Chris Christie with the highest unfavorable numbers of any GOP candidate in the race for the White House so far. It stands at 47 percent. Here's a Monmouth University pollster. He was a horrible governor. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This is us, and that's not the pollster. These are some voters in New Jersey who uh, agree or disagree with this poll. He was a horrible governor. He'll make a horrible president. He is a big bully. He is concerned with America. He wants the best for our country. I hope, you know, he can do the best he can. Monmouth surveyed GOP-leaning voters, found that just 21% gave good uh, Christie good marks. Some of the work he did good. He should be a good candidate. No, he's not going to do well. He's just going to interfere with everything else. He's just going to be a pain, and he just needs to step out. He's done. That's all voters who are in the Garden State. Uh, the governor set to make his White House run official at a ta- town hall event in New Hampshire on Tuesday. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis making his presidential campaign stops in New Hampshire yesterday. The Republican railing against uh, the Biden administration. We now live in a country where some of the most important policy decisions are made not through your elected representatives, but by nameless, faceless bureaucrats. He also criticized what he calls woke ideology. He claims it's seeped into the military and federal agencies. People don't want to join a woke military. They want to join a military with integrity, a military that has its eye on the ball. And President Biden, he was out there yesterday. Of course, he's running for another term at the Air Force, U.S. Air Force Academy graduation yesterday. Uh, the speaker there delivering the commencement speech in Colorado Springs, Colorado. It's our Constitution. It's our country, and it's our enduring American values. He says the U.S. military, the greatest fighting force in the world. Part of the greatest fighting force in the history of the world. That is the truth. That's the God's truth. That's not an exaggeration. More to the class there. A few classes. And there's a point in our history where they actually have a chance to change the trajectory of the country. That's why we're strong. That's why we're who we are. That's why we'll never give up. And the president having a moment yesterday. He's okay, but he took a fall while standing on stage during this graduation. The president gave the commencement speech and shook hands with graduates as they walked across the stage to receive their diplomas. Toward the end of the ceremony, the president appeared to trip and fall on stage and was helped up by people standing close by. I'm Lisa Taylor. Yeah, so he is okay. Congressman George Santos has hired two Georgia operatives now to handle the books for his campaign committees. The embattled lawmaker from New York was indicted last month on more than a dozen federal criminal charges, including wire fraud, money laundering and theft. The AJC reports this week's filing with the Federal Election Commission lists Rick Thompson and Jason Bowles as part of the Devolder Santos for Congress and recount committees. Thompson and Bowles are the principals of the metro Atlanta area-based RTA strategy company and have worked for multiple state and national candidates. I'm Liz Kennedy. 513, let's go down to Florida. All that algae that has been floating up on Florida beaches, it's a real concern now because it may contain flesh-eating bacteria. Scientists from Florida Atlantic University say this bacteria sticks to microplastics mixed in with sargassum. Uh, 
which is creating apparently this perfect storm that could be lethal. Most of the people that get infected with this bacteria, this Vibrio, they have uh, some stomach pains, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Most cases are extremely mild. They start within about 24 hours. They go away within three days. Broward's uh, health chief medical doctor says anyone with an open wound or recent tattoos or piercings should avoid going in the water if this algae is present as symptoms become more it can become more severe and even life-threatening typically we see that in patients that enter the water with an open wound who may have a lower immune system those folks are, are most at risk and if that happens they should seek medical attention immediately yes yeah, so this has become uh, somewhat of an issue in Florida. If you've been there vacationing recently, maybe you've seen this. I don't know how you tell the lethal bacteria from the regular bacteria. I guess we'll have to go back to the scientists and ask them. But um, they say open wounds, recent tattoos, uh, that kind of thing that you might want to be careful. If you see this algae present, maybe think about going to the swimming pool instead of into the ocean. The people that are going to get the flesh-eating bacteria, if you will, are people that enter the water with uh, after a surgery with an open wound. They may even have uh, new tattoos or new piercings even. They should avoid the water, especially if their immune system is low. Yeah, it's always fun just as the summer season's beginning. 5.15, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Say happy Friday. Good morning, Justin. Well, very happy Friday to you as well, Noam. Late in just the Mets in action on the Diamond, who finished off the sweep of the visit, uh, visiting Philadelphia with a 4-2 win at home in the finale yesterday. Max Scherzer, he was nails on the mound for New York. Going seven strong, allowing just one earned run on five hits. And down 2-1 to one in the fourth, it was Mark Canna who had to make sure Scherzer was in line for the win. Belton, a two-run shot for his second homer in as many games. And now, at 30-27, and 27, and just three and a half games back of the NLE's first place Braves, the Mets stick at home to welcome in the Toronto Blue Jays next for a three-game weekend set first pitch. For the opener set for tonight at 7, 10 p.m., Justin Verlander gets a start against Toronto's Chris Bassett. As for the Yankees, they were off yesterday, but are primed to open a three-game set out west against the Dodgers tonight at 10, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Luis Severino will get the ball going up against L.A.'s Clayton Kershaw. The previously injured trio of Giancarlo Stanton, Josh Donaldson, and Tommy Canely are all expected to rejoin the Yanks whilst in Los Angeles, so they get some reinforcements. And in Game 1 of the NBA Finals, the Denver Nuggets beat the Miami Heat 104-93 in Denver. To jump out to a game advantage in the series, Nikola Jokic registered a triple-double in his finals debut while being complimented nicely by Jamal Murray's 26 points. And the Nuggets, He's unstoppable, by the way, isn't he? Yeah, and he yeah. wasn't. And he really wasn't even the hot hand last night in terms of scoring buckets. He had like 10 assists and 10 points at half, I think it was. So he already had a double-double at half, and it was really, uh, even after the game, he said, uh, I don't have to score to win these games. Yeah, he's amazing. He really yeah. Is. yeah, he's really, really good. And then Murray adds 26 points as well. So that duo takes down the heat in game one and then the Nuggets really had an easy go of it in game one against an ice cold shooting heat team and after a couple minutes off here they'll try and uh, Miami that is they'll try and knock things up at one game apiece come Sunday night's game two also in Denver here with sports on 77 WABC no I'm Justin Alec WABC news time 518 let's bring it back here into the city dozens of migrants moving now into that Harlem facility that was once used as a jail. Workers spent yesterday morning, we could see them moving equipment, other boxes out of this former jail facility to make room for the migrants. And the migrants started moving in, and um, most of them say they're fine with the fact that it was a former jail facility. They just want some place to lie down and put their stuff. Me 
Welcome was very good. If you have a place to stay, it's good. It wasn't easy. We went through the jungle, and the jungle was something I don't want to remember. Yeah, some of them telling their stories of how they made it to the U.S.-Mexico border. This woman who lives in a building next door to this former jail says she's happy the vacant building is being used to house the migrants. I'm happy we're able to find and repurpose buildings to provide them housing. I hope we are able to provide more resources. And we learned this week, what is 70,000 migrants have made it here? A 2,000 in the last seven or eight days. City Hall telling us they've established 157 emergency sites across the city for the incoming migrants in the past year, along with nine humanitarian relief centers like the one at the Roosevelt Hotel, not too far away from us. That as they try to convince upstate towns to take on some of these migrants Albany has said a definite yes, but they say they want more information before the migrants arrive. So they've slowed down some of those buses that were sent there last week. Buffalo giving the big thumbs up to Mayor Adams and Governor Hochul saying they'll take on some of the migrants. Uh, other counties, not so much. Out Suffolk County, the legislature there yesterday taking uh, taking steps to block New York City from sending migrants there. Neighbors on both sides of the issue speaking out. This is a political stunt. Instead of this, do your jobs. Help these people. It's unsustainable for the taxpayers of New York State to house these people. Those lawmakers taking testimony during a public testimony yesterday. They voted to hire an attorney who will look into the county's legal options when it comes to migrants potentially being sent to Suffolk County hotels. There was word, uh, it was Curtis Lewa, by the way, who broke this story about a couple deals that had been made with some motels in Suffolk County. The, some of those deals were sunk. New York City is, of course, out of shelter room, and so they've been looking towards Long Island to help out. There's something wrong with this. You're going to bring these people in and give them everything when there's people... In worse shape than me, living in the woods of Long Island? Yeah, that's some of the argument, of course, here in the city. When we sent our own WABC's Bob Brown out to the Roosevelt Hotel, which has become a processing center for the migrants who are being bussed in from the U.S.-Mexico border to the Port Authority and then sent to the Roosevelt Hotel, he met with some of the migrants, but also the people who were speaking to him outside the Roosevelt Hotel were homeless people who say, wait a minute. How come you're not giving me a bed, but you're giving those guys a bed? Well, out back out on Long Island, uh, some members of the religious community said they want to welcome in the migrants. Here's a rabbi out on Long Island. Asylum seekers are not illegal immigrants, but human beings seeking a safer and better life. No different than many of our ancestors did. And down in Florida, they've been pushing back against the idea of bringing in migrants and immigrants. And yesterday, some businesses across Florida closing their doors in solidarity with what they called a day without immigrants. They've done this here in the city before. One of the organizers says they're speaking out against Florida's new immigration law that would suspend a business's license if it hires illegal immigrants. We're tired of the senseless attacks against immigrants. We're tired of politics. Politicians in Tallahassee continuing to attack some of the most hardworking individuals in the state. The law takes effect July 1. It increases penalties for knowingly transporting undocumented immigrants, bans local governments from issuing those ID documents, requires health care facilities to report information on patients' immigrant status. Who are essential to our hospitality industry, 
or agriculture or construction projects. And it's all because the governor is playing political games while running for president. What well, is amazing to watch, a, a block near my home, and this is happening all across the tri-state, you have some of these migrants standing outside on street corner early in the morning, hoping some construction company will pick them up and take them for work. And by the way, they do all, more often than not. People have been here for a long time and just terrorizing them. And, you know, pushing for mass deportation, uh, that's not the community that we want to live in. WABC News Time 523. We'll bring it back here. New York City is going to let public employees try working from home. Mayor Adams says eligible city employees now able to work from home for up to two days a week. This was a reversal of where Mayor Adams stood about a year ago. He told everybody they had to come back to work. But the problem is, is people say they don't want to come back to work. And guess what? They look for other jobs. It's happening for city employees as well. Look, I'm a seven day a week guy. And how I believe it's not for everyone. And I'm not so rigid that I'm not willing to sit down and figure out how do we reach the goals that we want. Yeah, I I think he's had no choice. New York City's municipal workforce shrinking since the beginning of the pandemic, with vacancies reaching 8% at the beginning of this year. Adams says this pilot program will protect core services, he says, that New Yorkers rely on, but give the flexibility of those people who don't want to come into Manhattan every day to sit in their living room and work. 524, well, this is just outrageous. The parents of a toddler and the mother of another charged after children had to be given Narcan for ingesting drugs. This happened up in the Bronx. These kids almost died. EMTs, police racing to this home, Honeywell Avenue, for a call about an 18-month-old girl who was unconscious. She was rushed to St. Barnabas Hospital where they found drugs in her suicide system and they had to give her Narcan, which is what they do to give up a waking, uh, wake up a drug addict who is overdosed. Oh, it's sad. It's really sad. I think people should be more responsible. Uh, watch your kids more. Um, you shouldn't be doing drugs in front of your kids, anyways. So this girl uh, is in stable condition, thank God. Sources say her parents both charged with reckless endangerment, criminal possession of a controlled substance, acting in a manner. Injurious to child. A two-year-old was also treated with Narcan at St. Barnabas Hospital after her mother took her there as a walk-in. This was about 2 p.m. in the afternoon on Tuesday. Who is this individual that has issues that allow this to happen to an 18-year-old, months, 18-month-old baby? It is crazy. Cops called, took the child's mother, 37-year-old Cassidy Reed, into custody. Cops say she's been charged with reckless endangerment, a whole bunch of other things. Unclear what kind of drugs those kids had ingested. 526, a local attorney accused in a string of rapes up in Boston that took place more than a decade ago. He was arrested in Weehawken. Matthew Nilo, a cyber attorney in Manhattan, appearing in court yesterday. Uh, during the brief appearance, he waived extradition, agreed to return to Massachusetts to answer these charges. Nilo has been charged with a series of rapes. Investigators say took place in 2007 and 2008. The 35-year-old arrested at his home in Weehawken. And uh, some neighbors were outside when the FBI showed up, and they said they were pretty freaked out about what was going on. We just saw a bunch of people swarm around somebody and take them down, and then we saw FBI um, vests on, so we assumed something was going on, but we didn't exactly know what. Eleni's like, look, they have FBI vests. I didn't even notice that. And then I, I felt a little bit scared. 
Nilo allegedly targeted women who were walking alone, but his lawyer says he's prepared to fight the charges. Uh, here's some people who live in his building, used to see him in the dog walk all the time, a little freaked out. What? I can't believe it. Like, I know him. Like, I know, I know it, like, personally, but I know from the dogs, you know. We always say hi when I see, like, my dog say hi to his dogs. You never know exactly. You never know your your neighbors. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. So these rapes go back to 2007. He was identified to law enforcement through family members who had voluntarily sent DNA samples to a database like 23andMe, and that's how they caught up with this guy. We are just getting started on this Friday morning. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, sit-in friends in the morning. Some high school students are laughing at all those book bans. We'll tell you why. A woman who had her wig ripped off in Times Square is speaking out. More catalytic converter thefts taking place, this time in New Jersey. We'll tell you why they're so valuable. And uh, a great save by lifeguards in Long Beach, Long Island yesterday. Those stories and more coming up. But first, this at 530. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yep, that's May 531. Good morning. It is Friday, June 2nd. Your forecast, Ramsey Mazda Weather Center, sunshine today. Afternoon clouds, high 85. Tonight and overnight, a few showers, low 61. Saturday, sun and clouds, high 69. Sunday, sunshine, high 72. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 60 and clear in Pearl River up in Rockland County. 54 and clear in Old Bridge down in New Jersey. And it's 63 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour out in New Jersey, in South Brunswick, Catholic uh, catalytic converter thefts have become so common across New Jersey that police in South Brunswick are calling it an epidemic. Now, I have to be honest with you. I wasn't sure what a catalytic converter was, so I had to go look it up. I don't know much about my cars. Thanks, God, uh, for my buddy Mir at Willow Sunoco who fixes my car. I just bring it to him, and he fixes it, and he's honest. Uh, but it's the exhaust admission control. That's what I've been told. So they're st- being stalled in record numbers. The police department asking people to be on alert. Uh, 30 cars have been targeted in the last 10 days in South Brunswick. The thefts primarily taking part in the overnight hours. Here's a mechanic in town who says he's getting a lot of business because of this. I've been dealing with it since last Thursday. What they're doing is they're cutting straight through in the front and the back here. And on this one, unlike the other ones, there's two oxygen sensors that they cut through. The sensor alone can go for... Two, almost $200 a piece. Yeah, so my first thought was, is are the mechanics ripping them off to get business? But that's not the case. Here, the crews have been stealing these catalytic converters because uh, they were going after the precious metals in them, the old ones. There's uh, platinum. Uh, there's other metals that are worth a lot of money. Thieves can sell these metals to scrapyards for about $1,000. Um, so there's real money in stealing these uh, converters. And police say uh, there's been a few chases. They've chased after people they've found uh, trying to steal them, but unfortunately they haven't been able to catch up with them. We've encountered the suspects on two different occasions, but they flee at a high rate of speed. A lot of older model Hondas, older model um 
Toyotas. Uh, we've also seen them taken off of 40 Conoline vans. A lot of people today have the ring cameras available or any, you know, outdoor surveillance. If you see something suspicious, let us know. I mean, the best thing to do is to try to catch these guys right in the act. Yeah, the majority of thefts taking place overnight hours between 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. The most common vehicle they target are older Hondas. 534, let's go out to Long Island. The heat prompting a group of teenagers to go into the water off Long Beach on Thursday. The lifeguards are not out full time yet because it's not the summer season. So these five go in. They get caught in a rip current. Thank God there happened to be a crew of lifeguards on the beach because they were doing some sort of exercise. They saw these kids uh, get caught up in the water and they were able to help them get out. Nobody swims out to drown. So they're trying to swim in. They weren't making any headway. You can see them going. You can see the panic in their faces. So uh, that's when we hit the water. Yeah, uh, so they swam these flotation devices to these kids and were able to pull them in safely. The rescues, of course, serving as an important reminder that the rip currents can be deadly. We saw that down at the Jersey Shore over the uh, over the uh, Memorial Day weekend. Lifeguards, of course, there for a reason. They say you should always swim near one. That's the case out on Long Beach, too. The beach is not really open for swimming when there's no lifeguards. We have signs posted all around. Um, we're here for emergencies like this in case they do happen, but we're asking people not to go in the water when there are no lifeguards. It really is a dangerous place, as was proven today. Yeah, thank God those lifeguards just happened to be there doing that training uh, yesterday and were able to help those uh, kids. Out to uh, East Islip, not too far away, an 11-year-old is back home and beginning the long road to recovery after he was hit by a speeding car while walking home with his friend. His mom says uh, she saw this actually take place. Their surveillance video shows the kids as they cross the street. Uh, uh, he was hit pretty hard. It's like life stops. A car came out of nowhere um, faster than anything that we were seeing. All I remember was going on the crosswalk and all I see is the car. He was completely non-responsive and then he went into a full grand mal seizure. Um, so I held my son while he seized for three minutes and 21 seconds. So the car did stop. Uh, Connor shattered several bones in his foot and his hand. His mother said he also suffered a traumatic brain injury, uh, was an avid lacrosse player, but is now confined to a wheelchair. The family had to raise money to put a wheelchair ramp up to his home. Uh, the good news is they think eventually he's going to be OK. But uh, they're telling their story because they want to tell people when you see a crosswalk, especially in a suburban neighborhood, Slow down. You know, people, unfortunately, just not paying attention a lot of times, staring at their phone. And particularly when you're approaching an intersection with a crosswalk in a residential neighborhood, slow down. Yeah, this driver, no doubt, feels awful for what took place. But, of course, you can't take it back, this kid in a wheelchair for now. 537, traffic, transit, weather on the 7s. Here's Joe Nolan. I'm sure it wasn't in this case, but also you see an awful lot of kids just walking right out with their cell phones, their heads down in their cell phones and just walking right out into these uh, crosswalks. So everybody, when you're doing that, just be, be careful. If you're driving, slow down. If you're walking, make sure you have your head up. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are, I've seen it a lot where you get kids just, especially down the shore. Everybody is on the phone, by the way. The driver's on yep. the phone. and Yeah, oh yeah. And every day, I kid you not, almost, I, I think it might be every day, I see people crossing, staring at their phone, and I'm like, you're a dope, man. You're asking for it. There's one in the town that I live in, uh, one of these crosswalks in the middle of the block, and if you're not familiar with the area, you don't even know it's there. 
and these girls, boys and girls, you know, kids, walk out into the street with their headphone and their cell phone. They just keep walking. I mean, yeah. they don't even look at the cars. You know, so just you got to use so much caution anymore you around do. these crosswalks because kids aren't paying attention. So in any event, I'm not saying that's what happened here, but I, I just, uh, you know, it, it, it happens. WABC News Time 539. Let's go up to Connecticut, a story we did yesterday about a vote on a book ban at a high school there. The uh, school board at Newtown High School deciding last night not to ban two books. The books in question were graphic novels that discussed coming-of-age issues, including gender identity and sexuality. The vote um, was thought was going to be close, but at the last moment, two Republican members of this board resigned. And so last night's vote um, was not as intense as they thought it was going to be. They did get people, members of the public, a chance to speak out beforehand. I thought the process itself was a little bit exhausting. Obviously, we need to adapt with the times. Yeah, so what's so interesting about this book ban debate is that the thought that kids are getting their information from the library... I mean, if you have kids, which I do, that's kind of comical. They're getting all their information from either their laptop or staring at their phone. And if they're looking for graphic or sexual content, the last place they are going is to the library. They have this device in their hand where they can search anything in the entire world. And unfortunately for for young kids, you know, sometimes they can search on porn and stuff like that. And so some kids were saying, you know, you could do this book ban, but it really makes no difference whatsoever. And I, I have to say, I kind of agree with them. The thought that, you know, we find our pornographic materials through literature is one that hasn't been around for quite some time. I was very proud of them that they spoke up for what they believe in and also just about who they are. It is kind of old school thinking, but uh, it is the thinking in New Jersey as well. Two Democratic New Jersey state lawmakers introducing a bill that would outlaw efforts to ban books. So it would be a ban on banning book laws. If that makes sense. State Senator Andrew Zwicker is one of the people behind this. He wants to make sure that no books are taken off high school, middle school shelves. There have been librarians all over the state, including in my district, who are now getting harassed online to the point where we have to do something. This is a small, well-organized group of people who are getting parents riled up. And it's time that we do something in return. But some parents groups say, wait a minute, we should have the final say about what books are in schools. And they say they're going to continue to speak out. In some libraries and some schools, it's kindergarten through eighth grade. You have middle schools within the grammar schools. I don't see the need for sexually graphic materials to be available to children in those age groups. State Senator Zwicker, though, says his ban on book banning would apply to both school and public libraries. And he said, though, anybody that did this kind of thing, if this bill gets through, which is a big if, uh, could see the some of their state funding go away. Censorship, banning of books was never right in the past, and it's not right now. Yeah, again, remember what that girl said up in Newtown High School, and my kids would tell you as well, that uh, they don't go to the library to get their information. They stare at their phone. 542, one New Jersey medical center clawing back nearly $4 million to train new nurses now. Congressman Josh Gottheimer helping secure $3.8 million that's owed to Sister Claire School of Nursing in Englewood Cliffs. This investment will go toward more faculty, simulation training for students, and additional supplies and equipment. And it will also help keep the cost of an education 
more affordable for our students. Yeah, it comes amid a nationwide nurse shortage because of the pandemic. New Jersey ranks among the top 10 states with the most unfilled registered nurse positions, more than 13,000. We've got some of the best hospitals and caregivers in the entire country, I would argue the best. But the bottom line is it's very difficult to continue providing the best care if you're missing a key part of that care operation with our nurses. And out at Stony Brook University, they're receiving the largest unrestricted endowment gift in U.S. history. Jim and Marilyn Simmons from the Simmons Foundation donating $500 million to the institution's endowment. I'm so happy to be here today and to be able to give back to Stony Brook, which has given so much to me. Jim and Marilyn met at Stony Brook back in the 1960s, have remained involved in the university for the last 55 years, committing more than $1 billion to the school in that time. New York State will match 40% of the investment, which means Stony Brook will receive another $200 million. We are naming this gift the Simons Infinity Investment because the impact of the gift will be infinite. Governor Hochul talking about matching the Simons gift. So my small part was was to come up with this endowment idea, which I didn't realize was going to be so expensive for me. (laughs) Uh, Wasn't counting on the largest uh, unrestricted endowment gift in the nation's history. Yeah, that's uh, pretty huge. Good for them uh, investing their money in higher education. All right. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, and here's Justin Alec. Thank you, Noah Mullade, and just the Mets in action on the diamond yesterday. Finished off the sweep of the visit of, uh, visiting Philadelphia Phillies with a 4-2 to win at home. In the finale, Max Scherzer was nails on the bump for New York, going seven strong, allowing just one earned run on five hits, and down 2-1 to one in the fourth. It was Marcana who had to make sure Scherzer was in line for the win, belting this two-run shot for his second homer in as many games. And Canna drives one out to left field. Schwarber takes a look, and that ball is out of here. Mark Canna strikes again. A two-run homer to put the Mets in front, 3-2. to two. Home runs in back-to-back games for Mark Canna, his fifth of the year, and it's 3-2 to two New York. That call courtesy of SNY, now at 30-27, and 27, and just three and a half games back of the NLE's first-place Braves, the Mets. Stick it home to welcome in the Toronto Blue Jays next for a three-game weekend set. First pitch for the opener is set for tonight at 7.10 p.m. Justin Verlander gets a start against Toronto's Chris Bassett. As for the Yankees, they were off yesterday, but are primed to open a three-game series out west against the Dodgers tonight at 10.10 p.m. Eastern Time. Luis Severino will get the ball going up against L.A.'s Clayton Kershaw. It's a good pitching matchup. The previously injured trio of Giancarlo Stanton, Josh Donaldson, and Tommy Canely, they're all expected to rejoin the Yanks whilst in Los Angeles, so the Bombers get some reinforcements. And in, excuse me, I have a pen in my mouth. Oh, there it is. I got it out. Thanks. And in game one of the NBA Finals, the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. Uh, the Nuggets beat the Heat 104-93 in Denver to jump out to a game advantage in this series. Nikola Jokic registered a triple-double on his Finals debut while being complimented nicely by Jamal Murray's 26 points. And the Nuggets had a rather easy go of it and route to the game one win against an ice-cold shooting Heat team after a couple of nights off here. Miami will try and knot things up at one a game apiece come Sunday night's game two, also in Denver. Here are sports. Yeah, exactly. Whatever that means. <laughs> uh, that's your sports, Noam Layden, and um, hopefully next time I won't be, uh, you know, in, uh, uh, I guess uh, interrupted by a pen <laughs> Okay. in my face. 
Always fun. All right, let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. The Senate last night passing a bill that would suspend the nation's debt ceiling two years. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer applauding the vote. Of course, nobody got everything they wanted. There was give on both sides. But this agreement was a very good outcome. Lawmakers taking that vote to avoid a potential default that was uh, just days away. The vote 63 to 36. The bill now heading to President Biden's desk where he says he'll sign it. Let me say it again. Tonight's vote is a good outcome because Democrats did a very good job taking the worst parts of the Republican plan off the table. And that's why Dems voted overwhelmingly for this bill. While Republicans, certainly in the Senate, did not. Republicans, of course, seeing it a different way. The final vote came after 11 amendments were considered, with all of them being shot down. Staten Island Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis says this bill that passed the House and now the Senate is pretty solid. Uh, this is the first time where we're seeing actual deficit reduction. We're seeing a actual spending cut. We're going to spend less money next year than we did last year, and we're putting a 1% cap. The deal cuts federal spending, sets spending limits, puts in place stricter work requirements for food stamps. We got change the fiscal trajectory of our nation, which was critical. No more massive omnibus inflationary spending bills. You know, these guys spent $10 trillion when they had complete control over the last two years. That's not going to happen anymore. The president cannot hire more IRS agents to go after middle-class families and small businesses. Um, we are also ensuring that they're... Uh, additional work requirements in place. Yeah, sounds like there's a little give and take. Now it's done. We'll go to the president's desk for his signature. The uh, race for the White House, uh, everybody going to be in Iowa on the Republican side this weekend. The former president, Donald Trump, is already there doing a town hall Fox News last night with Sean Hannity. Here he is talking gender identity and sex changes in the U.S. I'm not a fan of LeBron James, but I said, you know, if I were the coach of a woman's basketball team, I would have the greatest team. I'd say, uh, LeBron, would you like to become a woman? <laughs> and, and I'd go to another four or five big guys, and I'd say, how about we will be undefeated for many, many years. There will never be anything like it. I'll, have the great, I'll, be, I'll go down as the greatest coach in history. They'll say I was the greatest ever. Here he was on the uh, border, the uh, U.S.-Mexico border, of course, and DeSantis. If you need eight years... Who the hell wants to wait eight years? You don't need eight years. Who can believe in an open border? But when I heard uh, DeSantis go out and say uh, and, and talk about eight years, we need eight years. You don't need eight years. You need six months. We can turn this thing around so quickly. And then on uh, Biden and whether Biden is all there, here he was with uh, Sean Hannity. I've asked you about is he up to the job physically, mentally? You have been very reluctant to go there. Um, I'm not reluctant. To me, I've, does I've everyone agree that. with me that this guy's cognitively not there? I doubt he knows what day of the week it is today. That's how that, that's how bad I think it's gotten for him. Why are you reluctant to call that out? Well, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this. I actually called Sean and I, I asked Sean not to joke about it. I was joking because he used it. to joke about it. And I said, honestly, I don't think it looks good for you or for anybody. For you to- and then uh, you had former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, who might want to look at some new poll numbers as he gets ready to jump into the race for the White House. A new Monmouth University survey finds former Governor. Governor Chris Christie with the highest unfavorable numbers of any GOP candidate in the race for the White House. Some voters in New Jersey say they're not surprised to hear that that unfavorable numbers at 47 percent. He was a horrible governor. He'll make a horrible president. 
He is a big bully. He is concerned with America. He wants the best for our country. I hope, you know, he can do the best he can. Mammoth uh, surveyed GOP-leaning voters found just 21% giving Christie good marks. Some of the work he did good. He should be a good candidate. No, he's not going to do well. He's just going to interfere with everything else. He's just going to be a pain, and he just needs to step out. He's done. He's getting in. Uh, he will do it with the town hall next Tuesday in New Hampshire. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis making stops in New Hampshire yesterday. We now live in a country where some of the most important policy decisions are made not through your elected representatives, but by nameless, faceless bureaucrats. Also, uh, criticized what he called woke ideology that seeped into the military federal agencies too people don't want to join a woke military they want to join a military with integrity a military that has its eye on the ball wabc news time 553 billy joel going to end his residency at Madison Square Garden after more than a decade. I do remember the first night I played at Madison Square Garden. It was the pinnacle of, of my career. My God, I'm, I'm headlining Madison Square Garden. Everybody in the world knows when you play at the Garden. It's not just New York. Everybody knows. Yeah, it's a big deal. The Piano Man sold more than 1.6 million tickets in that time as first of his final 10 concerts going to take place October 20th. The Long Island native says his last show set for July of next year. I never imagined anyone could have a residency here. Uh, it's just been one crazy exhilarating night after another. We didn't think it would last 10 years. And there had been all these stories that uh, the Billy Joel was moving out of New York, but he says not true. He's just going to spend some time in Florida and some time in New York. Despite what you've read, I'm, I'm selling my house in Long Island, but I'm not leaving New York. I'm just spending a little more time down in Florida like old Jewish guys do from New York City. <laughs> okay. Uh, 554. Uh, did you see this uh, video of this singer, Lizzie Ashley? She was, um, it's gone viral. She's walking through Times Square late at night, and she's got this uh, gigantic green uh, Afro wig. I guess that's the best way to describe it. Kind of curly hair on her head. And some guy comes over. Uh, Actually, it was in Herald Square, not Times Square. Some guy comes over and uh, yanks the wig off of her head. And uh, so she's like, what the hell? So she takes out her camera and starts shooting footage of this guy who yanked the wig off her head and then dropped it on the ground. And she said, why did you do it? And so you get to see this all play out. And this video's had millions upon millions of views over the last couple of days. For what reason? For what reason? For what reason did you take my wig off? Because what what made you think that that was the good thing to do? What made you think that that was the good thing to do? For what? For what? Why did you do that? What makes you think that that's okay? Is that funny? It goes on for like another two minutes. And some social media sleuths who shared this video quickly uncovered the man's apparent identity. He's Anthony Orlick, who's an attorney here in the city. And uh, now he's in a heap of trouble because, it, I mean, it did not look pretty. It was an ugly video to watch. Besides, as I'm walking past him. This is, by the way, the woman who now has calmed down after that incident and talking about what took place in Herald Square. And this man just decides, as I'm walking past him, to take my hair off. He's like, pulls it, and my neck goes back, and then I turn around, and I'm like, whoa, like, what are y'all doing? That He's a lawyer. How are you out here defending people? And your judgment is that you can do this in public. How can you defend other people if you're if you're doing this in public? Yeah. So if you do something stupid like that, everybody's got a camera. And now uh, Anthony Orlick could actually lose his job as an attorney. 
And uh, Ashley says, well, good for him. He deserves that to happen. We got to make sure that men know you you shouldn't be walking down the streets of New York or anywhere attacking women in any kind of way, whether it be her hair, whether it be anything. Mind your business. Yeah, not a smart move on the part of Anthony Orlick, who now finds himself in hot water. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.